Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. We're back. We are back. It's summer. It kind of is. <laughs> <laughs> it's summer as far as we're concerned that as is of right, right now. In fact, yeah. I have a margarita oh, on the rocks. I have a, a vodka soda Ooh. in honor of Murray. He would love that. Yeah. Gotta water it down. Cheers. <laughs> so we are back. We took our little hiatus and we are going to go... Right into season three of Stranger Things. But first things first, Mm -hmm. today is May 3rd in the future. (laughs) (laughs) Today is May 3rd in the future. (laughs) And we just need to wish our beautiful friend Kim a happy 31st birthday. Happy birthday, Kim. Happy birthday, Kim. It's your birthday. And now it's forever memorialized in this Episode 40 of our podcast. Congratulations. Congrats, Kim. That's what you always wanted. (laughs) Just wanted to, we wanted to do that. So happy birthday, Kim. Yay. So to kick us off on this little season three overview, we are going to start with a general summary of the season setting and synopsis and all of that. So this season was announced December 1st, 2017, which uh, if you remember, season two... (laughs) was released October 27th, 2017. They were ready to go. Yeah, like imagine being that on it. We were being fed. We were eating. Yeah, we were satiated. We were eating good back then. In the neighborhood. (laughs) That's right. We sure were. (laughs) But not so much right now. No. Yeah, they were really on it. On December 9th, 2018, so a whole year later, a teaser title video was released Ooh! so we got the titles of all the episodes and almost all of them were the same except chapters five and six the flayed which is chapter five was called the source okay and e pluribus unum which is chapter six was called the birthday do i I not understand why it's called the birthday i maybe america's birthday (laughs) (laughs) no i don't know that's That's the chapter where we get billy's memory of his mother oh so maybe like the flashback was gonna be of like his birthday as a kid or something maybe okay maybe we'll realize when we're watching it yeah it's possible so this season was released on july 4th 2019 Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, (laughs) Kim. Happy birthday, America. It's a big birthday. (laughs) This season consisted of eight episodes, and the total runtime of the whole season was seven and a half hours. That sounds so sad. Right? It sounds super short. And season two was actually closer to eight hours, so this one Mm. was a little bit shorter. Hmm. Okay. This season was also filmed in and around Atlanta, Georgia, same as our other seasons, other than a couple scenes, I think. Season three's budget was reported to be around $10 million per episode. $10 million per episode. 
season two's budget was around $8 million per episode, and season one was around $6 million. So we're moving on up. We're getting there. We are. And here is a synopsis of the whole season. Um, I did take this from Wikipedia, but I did amend it a little bit. Fair enough. In the summer of 1985, in Hawkins, the newly opened Starcourt Mall has become the center of attention in town, causing other stores to close their business due to its popularity. Hopper disapproves of Mike's relationship with his daughter, Eleven, prompting him to intervene, leading to Eleven's friendship with Max. Still recovering from Bob Newby's death, Joyce considers moving out of Hawkins with her children. However, magnetic disruptions lead her to believe that the Upside Down has returned, so she enlists Hopper's help in uncovering the truth. Will begins experiencing premonitions from the Upside Down, despite Eleven's closing of the original gate. As Nancy and Jonathan investigate the effects of the Mind Flayer's influence, Dustin, Steve, newcomer Robin, and Erica begin investigating a potential Russian infiltration of Hawkins. Meanwhile, Max's stepbrother, Billy, is taken over by the Mind Flayer, forced to possess other citizens of Hawkins to fulfill the Mind Flayer's new plan. Spoilers! <laughs> Please! <laughs> I also love that this, like, sentence about Billy being flayed, which is, oh, I don't know, like, the main plot the of main the whole plot. S- <laughs> it's, it's like right an the afterthought. End. They're like, oh, by the way, Billy is flayed. <laughs> oh, by the way. <laughs> Billy is possessed by the actual Mind Flayer. Yeah, who knew? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's it. This yep. has been fun talking about season three. We we'll catch it. up with you for season four. Um, have a nice day. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for our characters and setting, this time I decided to just focus on our newcomers to the cast because we already we're familiar with the rest of them. So let's talk about our newcomers. We have Robin Buckley. Yay. Who is played by Maya Hawk. Robin is here. Yes, Robin has arrived. I put Erica here because she was kind of supporting cast before, but she's moved up to main cast. Yeah, I agree. Yes. So Erica Sinclair is joining us as main cast, played by Priya Ferguson. We have Mayor Klein. Boo. Is, yeah, kind of the worst. And he is played by Carrie Elwes of The Princess Bride. Wow, I never put that together. Yeah, we we have another 80s icon in our midst. There he is. Yep. We have Alexi. Who doesn't have a last name, apparently. <laughs> doesn't have a last name. <laughs> Poor Alexi. But if you ask Hopper, his last name is Smirnoff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of racist. Right? <laughs> Hopper. Like, please. He is played by Alec Utgoff. We have Grigori, who also doesn't have a last name. Just Grigori. It's Grigori Terminator Schwarzenegger. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Grigori is played by Andrei Ivchenko, which I just need to stop and say, by the way, that I really appreciate that in this season, the casting director made sure to bring in actual Russian people yeah. to the cast. So pretty great. That's that's a good thing to have done. It is. Next, we have the Holloways, who play a little bit of a smaller role in this season, but are worth mentioning. We have Tom Holloway, played by Michael Park, Janet Holloway, played by Holly Morris, and Heather Holloway, played by Francesca Real. And finally, our favorite fertilizer-eating grandmother. Wow. (laughs) Doris Driscoll, played by Peggy Miley. That's kind of our newcomers. Obviously, there's a lot more other, like, supporting cast and stuff like that, but these are the people that we kind of get to know. I find Mayor Klein and Tom Holloway, like, they're the same same character. Yes. I I really struggle to differentiate between the two of those people. So did I. 
Yeah, and I almost I think I put like later that we're just gonna have to like negate. I think I made a point to mention how smart it was of Billy to target Heather to get to Tom, not realizing that Tom is not the mayor. (laughs) (laughs) I made like a whole thing down here about how smart that was, and now I'm realizing that that's it's not that's not a thing. Just not a thing. Oh my god! Wow. Love that. Been great I, though. But also, yeah, when I watched this season for the first time, I remember getting confused between yeah. Tom and the mayor. Yeah, they're very similar. They really are. So for our setting, this season we're actually pretty much remaining in Hawkins the whole season. We do get a couple shots of Russia here and there, you know, quote unquote. In quotes. <laughs> but for the most part, we are pretty much just in Hawkins. I'm not mad about that. Same. I'm happy to be home. And finally, for our, our time setting, it is summer vacation in 1985. The season, Yeah. The season spans across about a week in late June and early July. Nice. Yes. So I love that this is a summer season. It's just something so different than we it get is. with the rest of the seasons. Yeah. So love that. So now we have a, a fall, a summer, and a spring season. We do. We don't really have like a winter season, although, you know, the end of season two was supposed to be winter. (laughs) Even though everything was greener than it is now. (laughs) It was summer. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. All right. Fun. I'm happy that we're in the summer, too. We're going to eat some ice cream and swim Mm -hmm. in a pool. Yeah. And be sweaty. Get flayed. Get flayed. We're going to get flayed. That sounds like it should be like, like, I don't know, like get sheet faced, but like get flayed. All right, let's talk about life in 1985. Let's. We need to understand what our characters are dealing with. So I have gone back to all reliable here, thepeoplehistory.com. All reliable. (laughs) All reliable. (laughs) And we're going to talk about how much things cost because that's just what we do here. It is. So the average cost of rent went up by 25 cents. In 1984, it was $350, and now we're at $375. That is that is $25. <laughs> oh, my God. Why, why can I never do this? And I awesome. read that sentence numerous times. I was like, that's it. I got it. That sounds right. <laughs> all right, everybody. Listen, it's Amazing. Friday. Listen, you all know what you signed up for. We, like we've mentioned, are both English majors... We We don't do numbers. No, we do not. We work in education, not numbers. Not numbers. Um, Gas, however, went down by one cent. And yes, actually actually cents. In 1985, it was $1.09. In 1984, it was $1.10. Wow. Which which is great for 1985 and the people who lived in that year who were driving cars. A U.S. postage stamp costs 22 cents. As of right now in 2023, they cost 63 cents per stamp. I didn't know postage went up that much. Yeah, that's a lot for a tiny square that has some glue on the back of it. Like, what are we, what are stamps? What are we doing? (laughs) (laughs) It's how they make us pay to send each other news. Dumb. Dumb. (laughs) And bills. (laughs) Newspaper articles about recipes that you could make. Oh my God. In relevance to our first chapter of season three, I found the price of a movie ticket. Ooh. It cost $2.75. So jealous. Right? Imagine not needing to spend $12 to see a movie and to think that Max, Lucas, Mike, and 
will in the first chapter sneak into a film. Like you guys can't just afford a two dollar and seventy five cent movie ticket. Imagine that. Come on now. I saw the gotta... Mario the Mario movie last night. We paid thirteen eighty five per ticket. Because that's unnecessary. It's unnecessary. There's, the chairs better have been memory foam. They were pretty comfy. They were the recliner chairs, but All still right, fine. Still ridiculous. And then last but not least, potatoes were <laughs> <laughs> of course were a, were a dollar for five pounds. And as always, we must check in with bacon. Right. We do this each time. It was a dollar and sixty-five cents per pound, which was actually four cents less than nineteen eighty-four. So we between the gas it. coming down and the bacon prices coming down, nineteen eighty-five was a good year. Seems like it. Yeah. Wow. So let's talk about some major events of 1985. The first one that I found was Live Aid. So, wow. yeah, for those of you who don't know what Live Aid is or was, as per the Britannicas, it was a concert series held on July 13th, 1985. So just like a handful of days, you know, after the disaster of a mall fire <laughs> in Hawkins, they were like partying. We're partying. We're partying. <laughs> Everything's fine. We're they definitely were. This was not a party. I mean, it was. But these this, this concert series, they were held in London and Philly, and they raised money for the famine in Ethiopia. And all sorts of big names performed. The Who, Queen, U2, Black Sabbath. They were just a few of the performers. The event ran for 16 hours and attracted over 1.5 billion viewers. Wow. Yeah. And at the time, I, I mean, I don't know what the population was, but it definitely wasn't 7 billion like it is now. Right. So 1.5 billion was a good chunk of the world. Yeah, a lot of people. And I just kind of said, like, it's funny how this happened right as the events of season three were ending. And I try to imagine sometimes the events of this show happening, like, incongruence with things that were actually happening in the world. Like, right. where would Live Aid have been in the news cycle? If a week prior, an eldritch horror was dissolving an entire town of people to create gigantic, like a giant skin spider using rats. Of course. And then they blew up the mall where Russians had created an underground network of tunnels to open a portal into another dimension. It feels like Live Aid would be a little lower on the priority list. Right. If this was all actually where we would, would we really be talking about Live Aid? I don't if think all this, so. Me neither. Yeah, I don't me think neither. We Are the World would have solved this one. No, I don't <laughs> think so either. And then I want to talk about New Coke because we talked about her. I don't know why I've, I've gendered New Coke, but I have. Uh, she's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about her in your 80s conspiracy theory episode. Mm -hmm. And um, just a quick, just a small, just a small little recap. In April 1985, Coke, which had been a company for almost 100 years at the time, changed its formula mm -hmm. like SpongeBob, <laughs> like Plankton. And it caused outrage, and they switched the formula back within three months, and new Coke sort of just ceased to exist to Lucas's dismay. But then they did revive it, didn't they recently revive it? They did. Actually, after season three came out, they revived it for a little while. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. And then another event was Route 66 being removed from the U.S. highway system. So weird. <laughs> it just, I like, I, I wrote that I have to assume that the Mayfields and the Hargroves, like, at least Billy maybe, was like, I'm going to take a detour and got on Route 66 to yeah. drive to Indiana, right? I mean, yeah, it, it, it goes from California to Illinois. Yeah. But yeah, and apparently this road fell into disrepair after being replaced by the interstate system. 
I was going to say, I feel like parts of Route 66 were absorbed by I-95. But I-95 goes north Oh, north and south. Just kidding. Not I-95. Um, 80, I'm pretty sure. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And then last but not least... Oh, wait. No, I have two more. The first version of Windows was released by Microsoft, Windows 1.0. Wow. <laughs> And, and last but not least, uh, the first dot .com domain name, Symbolics.com, wow. was established. I like that Windows had the forethought that there were going to be more. Multiple. It's, it's giving calling World War I, <laughs> World War I. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think they called it that. They definitely didn't. It was definitely just World War. <laughs> they were like, well, this is the first one. We don't know what else is coming. <laughs> Doesn't have the same ring to it as no. World War One. <laughs> All right. Some 1985 celebrity birthdays. Uh, Lana Del Rey. Hmm. Bruno Mars. Raven Simone. Ashley Tisdale. Michael Phelps. Chrissy Teigen. And Sierra. Wow. Yeah. So all of these people are younger than our characters. Yeah. Wow. Weird. That's weird to think of. Yeah. Uh, some music. Like a Virgin by Madonna. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a weird mm. way to respond to a song called Like a Virgin. <laughs> uh, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds from The Breakfast Club. We Are the World from Live Aid. Yay. The name of the artist was USA for Africa. It was just the whole artist. It's just like the, the super group. Yeah, the mishmash. All those yeah. people. Uh, Shout by Tears for Fears and Cherish by Cool and the Gang. I looked up some of these songs when I was making this list and I was like, good songs. Right? Yeah. And then some movies, The Goonies, The Color Purple, Back to the Future, The Breakfast Club, Mm. St. Elmo's Fire, and The Black Cauldron. Wow. Yeah. So it is time for our (laughs) favorite segment. Our favorite segment. This is our favorite According segment. According to who? Us. <laughs> it's okay. our favorite segment. I never said it was anyone else's. <laughs> All so right. we're gonna we're gonna get into our themes for this season. Our and, themes. Uh, them- yes, one might say themes. <laughs> one might be wrong, but they could say that. <laughs> uh, so our first theme of this season is. You know, this is what we called it. I don't know if there's a better word for it, but... (laughs) Perhaps one word. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. But we're going to call it denial slash distraction. So some of the examples that we see in this season of denial or distractions is Joyce and Hopper and the magnets. Yeah. So it kind of seems like, you know, there's this tension between Joyce and Hopper and Joyce is kind of throwing herself into this magnet situation in order (laughs) to avoid feelings sure so that's a little bit of denial and a little bit of distraction yeah we also have will denying that the party has shifted and changed dissolved and he wants to use D kind of as a distraction and i think that in his mind D is just like always the thing that brings the party together mm-hmm. yeah it's like safe too in a in a twisted way <laughs> yeah it's like it's like their their comfort thing you know if i was will I would never play D&D again. I would be like, the last time I played that fucking game, yeah, I ended up in the Upside Down. I would be terrified to never ever play again. that game. I would never play it again. Nope. Susie, perhaps, being Maybe? a distraction. Maybe. Is she? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. This is a question we pose. Is Susie yeah. a distraction a little bit at the end? I don't know, because 
while the answer could be yes, I'm not sure it's a purposeful distraction. Okay. Yeah. And then we also said that Steve is kind of in denial a little bit in this season. And he's in denial in, in a couple ways, I think. One being that he is still in love with Nancy Wheeler, I think. Mm, yeah. And just generally, he's kind of off his game in this season. We sort of Agreed. see him like get knocked off his game and just not kind of be himself in this season. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see more of that in season four, obviously. But this is kind of our first inkling that like post high school, Steve is not the same. Yeah, and he keeps trying to get girls despite being rejected. Yeah. He's, like, in denial that he doesn't have it anymore. He's kind of lost his touch a little bit. Yeah. All right, so one of the other themes that we came up with, which we've talked about this theme in the context of other seasons, Mm -hmm. is secrecy. And we paired that also with lies, which I guess could be, like, honesty. Mm -hmm. And obviously these things go hand in hand because sometimes you're withholding information or keeping secrets, which is as a result making you dishonest, very much like Dustin in season two with Dart. First one we mentioned is Robin's secret that she is gay and we don't have this information until the very end of the season. Yeah. I don't know if I would necessarily consider her keeping that a secret on purpose, but it feels like she reveals a secret at the end when she's talking to Steve. Yeah, I mean, she's definitely not completely out even by season four. Like, Mm -hmm. nobody knows but Steve. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, yeah, I I put that in here, especially because, you know, it's the 80s. And that is is very scary, I'm sure, for an LGBT youth in the 80s. So, um, yeah, that felt like a really big reveal there at the end. And that Robin ends up finding trust in Steve. Yeah. We also put the very casual gigantic russian um base underneath the mall casual it's no biggie (laughs) just a giant underground network of tunnels Mm -hmm. and green liquid tubes and an elevator that goes like from the top to the bottom Mm -hmm. because that's what elevators do of course yeah so that's a big secret how did this how did this even come to be (laughs) i that is a, In a, a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful mystery. How it is long a wonderful they, mystery. Like, have they really only been building this for a year? We've been building it. For you. Yeah. Mike and Elle's fight, but also Mike's secret that he's in love with Elle. He, he can't just spit it. it out. Yeah. He just, what does he say? He's like, blank drives you crazy. Yes. It's like, what, Mike? <laughs> just what? say the stupid word. Yeah. So he's keeping the secret from Elle. More or less for the entire season until he accidentally sort of blurts it out to everybody else but Elle. Mm -hmm. And then he never even actually says it, which is really interesting. He doesn't say it directly to Elle until season four. All Elle does at the end of the season is say, I love you too, Mike. And he doesn't even say it to her until the end of season four when she's like dying. Yeah, but we talked about Mike's struggle with using his words. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's less of a words guy and more of an actions guy, which just reminds me that we are doing Malevin mm-hmm. after Susie Do You Copy. Yes. And I need to start writing that because <laughs> that's going to be a about. lot. Yeah. And then our last one was Karen's and Billy's secret. Their little tiny flirtation at the very beginning mm-hmm. that they're keeping just between themselves. So we have Cute. some secrecy and we have some lies. Yes, we do. And friends don't lie. So it's a problem. Well, Billy's not a friend. True. So our next theme is something that we brought up a little bit at the end of season two. 
And this is the pursuit of science versus humanity. Love it. So this theme comes up especially with the Russians creating this new key despite a loss of life. And, I mean, there was a, a pretty massive loss of life there in the yeah. lab. In Hello. that first scene, like, all like so many of the scientists in there died. <laughs> they just got vaporized. Yeah, and he was like, you have a year. It's like, you just, it's like Brenner. Yeah. It's very Brennery. It like, is you very just, Brenner. At the expense of human life, you continue to pursue science. Yeah, like, it doesn't doesn't matter who dies. Yep. Marina pointed out that there are a lot of, like, keys. In Why this. are there so many keys? There are a lot of keys. This is just, like, a side note because we didn't really have a theme for, for the keys. But <laughs> there's a theme of keys. Theme of keys. We would yeah. put that. Yes. So some some examples of this are the keys to the car that Hopper is withholding from Alexi, the key card needed to operate the elevator, the two keys needed to disable the the key the key um (laughs) the russian key there's just Um, so many keys there's a lot of keys which is kind of fun i don't know why but when i wrote this part i was like isn't the i mean i'm just like pulling out things that don't matter but isn't in the like the as fucking always isn't the um in like the synopsis of the first shadow it's like the key to the end Mm -hmm. might be something something so i don't know i just like there's just keys yeah i wonder if that was purposeful Mm. yeah Susie kind of withholding Plank's constant kind of gives the vibe of pursuit of science versus humanity. Now, again, it's not purposeful. No. So. It's just for the vibes. But it's just kind of there. Yeah, just for the vibes. Also, Alexi's kind of whole arc in the season is that. He is really focused on the goal of creating the new key because his Mm -hmm. scary boss threatened to murder him if he didn't. So obviously that's kind of his main goal until he gets to know Hopper and Joyce and like their humanity and understands their issue and he ends up wanting wanting to help them yeah i realized um that watching alexi in the first chapter is so different than the alexi that we get to know right like he you don't know him at first you just he's just random scientist dude who's been given this task and he goes and does his task but by partway through the season it's like he's just this like tender warm goofy guy yeah and he doesn't come off that way at first you almost look at him and you're like how are you a scientist <laughs> right like he's so but he's a genius yeah he is he's a very smart guy but yeah i just thought of like the way that he gets to know them and their humanity and that is what kind of changes him yeah that's a great one i love that one thank you we put good versus evil which like yes obviously but there's a different twist to that this season i think Mm, mostly in the fact that we are finally getting to a point where we're dealing with human antagonists Mm -hmm. so up until this point we've had the demogorgon we've had the mind flayer and we've had demodogs we've never really had a human antagonist we get like a tiny dose of it with billy in season two but now we've really reached a point where we're dealing with like human villains like mayor klein in his own way and tom Mm -hmm. holloway and bruce like they are human villains and although billy gets taken over by the mind flayer he is a human yeah um, and he is more or less the villain kind of of this season in a weird twisty way and and i'd like to add that like bruce tom billy like all these dudes are not nice people even before they're flayed yeah, that's a great point. They're all shitty before they're they're actually taken over. Mayor Klein never gets flayed, and he is still the worst. He totally gets flayed. Does he? I feel like at the the Fourth of July carnival, he's like sweating, and oh, like true. I feel like he does get flayed. Yeah, maybe. 
I feel like he does. Okay. Maybe it's left up for interpretation. Yeah. And then I love this one. For good versus evil, mm-hmm. Billy's fight against the Mind Flayer's influence. Because in this comparison, Billy is on the good side of this example, not the evil side. Mm-hmm. Right? And I pulled particularly him having that vision of hurting Karen, which he ultimately does not do. He yeah. resists doing it, but he does envision hurting her. And then you get like the back to reality moment and they're still standing next to each other and he won't turn around to look at her because he doesn't want to actually act on his impulse. Yeah. His intrusive thought, which is essentially what that is. Yeah, pretty much. So I really like that one, like Billy and the Mind Flayer and Billy as the good in this comparison and the Mind Flayer as the evil. Love that. Yeah, it's a really good one. It is. All right. So our next theme is womanhood, which is one of my faves. Yeah, this one's this one's awesome. So under womanhood, I put Nancy's struggle to be taken seriously. And this Big is theme. this is across the board. So it's with within the workforce, by Jonathan, by other people. I mean, she struggles to prove herself. She feels like she has to prove herself. And she just really is kind of focused on breaking this glass ceiling. But but in a way, like she's not. Because it it feels like she's not doing that purposely. She just has goals that she wants to achieve. Yeah. It's not conscious. She's not like, I'm going to do this and break the glass ceiling. Yeah. Which is honestly, in my opinion, even better. Like. It is. She is just doing this because she is a driven young lady. And that's all that matters. It's inherent. Yes. Yes. Next is Karen's struggle with kind of her sexuality and like being a woman versus her Mm -hmm. obligation to her family. She's reading all that smut, and she wants to act on the smut. She does. We get a little bit of a glimpse into who Karen was before marrying Ted and everything when she's giving her pep talk to Nancy, when she basically says that, like, she wishes that she had taken these chances and kind of put herself out there and stuff, and she encourages Nancy to do so. So I feel like Karen was, and still is, a, a strong woman, but she's sort of fallen into this, like, nuclear family you know american dream tradition and she and you know she she feels that like this is the life she's made for herself and she's Mm -hmm. gonna honor it but she wants better for nancy yeah and we definitely talked about like who would karen have been you know yeah would she have had a family at all maybe she would have waited until she was older like we don't know what she would have been like without having the family that she has and if she didn't choose ted oh god (laughs) (laughs) wet noodle Uh he is a wet noodle another kind of womanhood theme we have here is 11 finding herself finding freedom having an identity outside of the men in her life are you even supposed to be out (laughs) i love when steve says that um but but if you think about it 11's identity has always been wrapped up in a man whether that's brenner that's so true whether that's hopper whether that's mike she has never been her girly self yeah, that's so true. She finds her womanhood, I feel yeah. like, in this season. She does. Obviously, she's a very powerful being in many mm-hmm. ways, but but she was definitely lacking in the, like, personal confidence, inter- interpersonal confidence, Yeah, which she really finds in this season. And that is thanks to Max and Eleven's female friendship, which yes. is another theme of womanhood we see in this season. <laughs> I mean... Max is, after seeing the way Eleven behaves towards Max at the end of season two, I have mm-hmm. a newfound appreciation for Max's behavior in season three. Yeah. Right? 
Just how she takes her Eleven under her wing and like she really teaches her that being your own person is awesome. Yeah, for sure. I I have just I was gonna say like in this rewatch, I find that I'm having a newfound appreciation for Max in general. Same, same. She's a great character. Yeah. Their friendship is just so important to this show, I think, in general. And just seeing the way that Max just, I don't know, adopts Eleven and helps her become a better and stronger person is yeah. awesome. And then finally, uh, <laughs> one of our, our last pieces of this is Joyce passing the Bechdel test. Yes. which if <laughs> Sort you, of. Yeah, sort of. So if you don't know, the Bechdel test is kind of like a, <clears throat> a way to gauge whether a medium, whether that be film, book, TV, whatever, is, I don't want to say a feminist work, but mm. it does not center men. And what the test is, is the test asks whether a work features at least two women who talk to each other about something other than a man. <laughs> and yeah, Joyce, Joyce does in a way. So she doesn't have a conversation with another woman per se where, where this is like brought up, but she continues her pursuit of truth at the expense of a, a romantic relationship with a man. Mm-hmm. So I think that's fair to say. And for all of you theater nerds out there, you will recognize the Bechdel test and the last name Bechdel from the musical Fun Home, which is an autobiographical musical about Alison Bechdel. Hmm. And it's really interesting. She, hmm. grew up, she grew up in a funeral home. Wow. It's a really fun... Uh, I've never heard of that. It's a really fun musical. Okay. Our next theme is separation and unification. I can't like help myself. I have to make dichotomies. It just doesn't work if I don't do that. (laughs) I can't just be like just separation. No. (laughs) But I do think this is valid. So the first one that I had for separation and unification is that the party is split and is growing apart. Mm -hmm. But new connections are forming at the same time. I'm also, I got like a little tiny bit of a girls versus boys thing here on different levels of complexity, obviously. We obviously have Max and Elle versus Lucas and Mike in a way. And then we have Nancy versus Jonathan, men, the patriarchy as a whole. Yes. I also think this is really funny. I feel like Nancy's struggling with the metaphorical glass ceiling, like actively throughout the season. And then Robin's and Steve's infatuation with the <laughs> literal glass ceiling in Starcourt after yeah. they've been drugged. And it just doesn't really feel like it's an accident. I love that idea. I love that. It just felt a little bit too, like why, why do we have them focus on the ceiling that's made of glass? Yes. The ceiling is beautiful. <laughs> it's a song. It is. <laughs> and then we have Joyce and Hopper operating separate from the kids and teens for the first time, really. Mm-hmm but coming together themselves. The separation of Hopper and Eleven and her joining the Byers family. Yes, both sad and sweet. I don't want to talk about it yet. <laughs> Not, Not ready. There, okay? Not ready. <laughs> we'll get there. The many-to-one nature of the flayed yes. is kind of a unification of sorts, right? Yes, I thought about this. We have dozens and dozens of people being dissolved yeah. to create one giant meat monster. <laughs> i'm ready for it and then last but not least i feel like we could sort of maybe stick murray and alexi's unlikely friendship here because yeah murray was so intent on being separate from society 
and resistant to being around people. And he finds this, I don't know, I guess like a love or like a tenderness for Alexi mm-hmm. and it's stripped from him. But that is a little bit of like a separation unification thing that I've kind of found. Yeah. I also love that too. Cause Murray is like the most anti-Soviet you know, mm. scared of the Cold War. Right. And then he ends up friends with a Russian man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great commentary, though. It's like a not, you know. Right. It's, again, like that humanity thing, that humanity right. piece. Like, you can't generalize. Sure. Another theme we found is abandonment. We really struggled with whether we should kind of put these points mm. under separation and unification. But we decided that abandonment deserved its own section. So we see this very literally in downtown Hawkins and Brimborn Steelworks, both locations are abandoned and both are focal points of the season. For sure. That's a very clear cut example of abandonment. Dustin definitely feels abandoned. We, We get this when he realizes like all his friends have kind of had this summer vacation without him. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, they're like connecting in different ways and that he's just not a part of. And then Will kind of feels abandoned by his friends, too, in a different way, where though he's not physically been abandoned by them, he feels that they are moving on in a way that he is not ready for exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. So he feels a little bit left behind. I think Hopper's issues also with with Ellen Mike's relationship are definitely rooted in a fear of abandonment or loss, which is... Mm-hmm. Very valid, considering Hopper's past. Yeah. So that makes sense. And then Karen almost, almost abandoned her family to go have an affair with Billy. Yep. So we And thank almost... God she didn't do that. Because yes. then she would have been impregnated with a mind flayer spawn. <laughs> and then she would have died in childbirth. And it would have been a travesty. Of course. <laughs> of course. As we know. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we separated abandonment. It feels like its own thing. I agree. Another theme that we found or we thought of was, again, I'm sorry, dichotomy. (laughs) Communication and, like, miscommunication, lack thereof. Communication in general. First, we have Hopper's inability to effectively express himself, which, honestly, I'm going to put Mike here, too. Yeah. I didn't put them together, but I'm doing it, which is funny because Elle is paired with these two dudes who can't use their damn words. True. Yeah. Dustin's struggle to reach Susie the entire season. My God. (laughs) Susie, do you ever copy? She does not. She never copies. She does not copy. She's busy at church. She can't. Yeah. (laughs) Then we have this whole decoding of a Russian message. So this communication happening between the Russians and when is this package coming and how Mm -hmm. do we get to the they have to decode this message using Grigori as a messenger of sorts can you explain this one yeah so I was thinking of Grigori as kind of a messenger in a way because he is essentially after Hopper and Joyce because of the threat that they pose to the creation of the key and he has Mm -hmm. been sicked on them Mm -hmm. by somebody else to deliver Mm -hmm. the message that you should go away you should or, leave now. Or die or whatever. You should just go away and leave. Yes. It, it kind of reminds me of like if anyone out there has ever seen the show Lost, there is a part when – or I guess like a flashback to one of the characters' previous lives and he ends up working for this like very scary dude in I believe Korea and basically his job is to send messages quote unquote. Hmm. But what that means is 
like he's sent out to just like beat the shit out of people who have wronged his boss oh okay yeah so that that's why i thought of gregory as a messenger because it yeah. reminded me of that i was re-watching Susie, do you copy today and i just i thought of lost i've never watched lost but i thought of lost because i know the whole controversy surrounding whatever the hell's going on and how it sucked and everybody was mad and there's like a smoke monster is that accurate yes there is a smoke okay monster. well when the dust particles are like stirring up in brimborn mm. steelworks i was like there's the smoke monster from lost yes yes he's arrived <laughs> he got there off he the island <laughs> anyway communication miscommunication i also put nancy and jonathan literally working as journalists their job their role their function is to communicate if they yes. are permitted to do so either via writing or photography whatever it is their role is to communicate hmm. dustin's failure to reach the rest of the party throughout the season like he obviously can't reach Susie, but by the time he's down in the russian base he doesn't even have there's no signal no signal Mike L. and Lucas Max speaking different relationship languages. Mm, yeah. There's like a very, and again, we're going to talk about it, but there's a very direct like love language thing that happens between these two couples in this season with Mike like, I'm going to go buy Elle a gift. I can't afford that. <laughs> like there's like a whole gift giving thing that yeah. tries to happen. And Lucas is like, you just got to get her a present. Easy. I think, yeah, I think these pairs are speaking different languages. Yeah. And then lastly, I put billy as a messenger for vecna mm -hmm. which gave me the creeps when i thought of it it like made my hair stand on end <laughs> yeah it just i immediately thought of hermes who's like the greek god of messages so there's a more eloquent way to put <laughs> the that greek god of messages <laughs> he's like the relayer of messages he travels between the underworld and relays the messages you you are right right i'm correct yeah. um but then i thought it was so funny because when we were writing this episode, they announced the the book about Eddie, which is oh, literally yeah. called Icarus. Oh, yeah. Which is a, yeah, which is a, a reference to Greek mythology. So we're going to do something with that at some point. Yeah. But communication, yeah, miscommunication feels like a huge theme this season for some reason. Yes. Not I for some reason. For all the reasons we just listed. We listed a lot of reasons. We did. <laughs> so finally, our last theme is the theme of power. So... At the end of the season, obviously, Elle loses her power. And throughout the season, there is definitely a debate on Elle using her powers and, yes. you know, pushing herself to use her powers and, and her limits and things like that. Will has a new power this he does. season. He has Fladar. He does. He's got Harry Potter, the Scar, yes. Voldemort, tingling nonsense. Mm-hmm. So that, that is power. <laughs> the technical term. Yeah. Whether he wants it or not. Mayor Klein and his abuse of power in many different ways. So first off, he basically not gets blackmailed, but he keeps this very big secret and and takes extra payoff money. Just a lot of corruption here. Yeah, so, a lot of um, corruption. Yeah, the secret being, you know, the, the Russians who own Starcourt Mall and mm -hmm. many other properties. He also uses his knowledge of Hopper's history of drug use as blackmail against him. The Russians are like the property brothers of Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> They're Why? buying up all the lots, all the homes and houses and buildings, and they're flipping them. You think they're flipping them? Yep. I mean, they are turning them into like Russian power plants, so. Yeah, the property <laughs> brothers. <laughs> That's what they do. <laughs> uh, the power dynamic that we see between women and their male superiors in the workforce. Big uh, point. That is, yeah, a really big one. We see Russia as a foreign power and a threat to the United States' power. Yep. 
and the need for an extreme amount of power to open a gate and the power going out as it always does. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure that I actually had that written there and then I deleted it because it was stupid. (laughs) Nope. I'm saying it anyway. (laughs) Power going out. It just does that. And as always, since season one, the power is out. (laughs) Yes, always. Except this time there's no AC, so we are sweating. That is bad. Yeah. Okay. I think we did it. (laughs) I think we did it. We listed every possible theme. That's not true. We could have kept going. But eventually you have to accept that things just simply aren't themes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of these are themes, but we're going to say they are. They're themes. Yeah. We said so. We did. And we make the rules here. Yeah. So... One last thing we wanted to talk about um, when this season came out is our, well, kind of, kind of last thing we wanted to talk about. Second to last. Second to last thing we wanted to talk about is the media impact and reviews of this season. Mm, That's important. It is. So when the season came out, it had, or has still, an 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is pretty good. The audience score was slightly lower at 86% compared to season one, which was 97%. So that's... Yeah, it it must be so weird to be the creators of a show like this and have the knowledge of all of the nuance that you put into a season and the average viewer just doesn't doesn't get it. Yeah, doesn't get it. Like they don't see it from like the same vantage point that the less average casual viewer like us like and us. a lot of our listeners yes. are watching this show like it right. must be frustrating as the creator to be like why do you give me 89% on right. the tomato website the tomato <laughs> website <laughs> like a tomato like a tomato his face like was so red like a tomato <laughs> the tomato website the tomato website but yeah we're the people who are watching season 4 and being like is Max wearing Billy's jeans? I wonder why they have, like, they're showing her emotions through how she's dressed. Like, Billy Jean oh is my not my lover. <laughs> is not. He's not. He's, He's not. not my lover. For sure. I promise. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so within four days of this season being released, Netflix reported that over 40.7 million accounts had seen at least 70% of one episode, a record viewership for any Netflix program, while 18 wow. point, right? 18.2 million had already seen the entire season. Four days. <laughs> Netflix, this is a PSA for you, okay? You need to figure out your shit because after season five comes and goes, mm-hmm. you are dead in the pool water of Hawkins Community Pool. I agree. What are you going to do, Netflix? This is a threat. this is you have 24 hours (laughs) release season five right now or i'm canceling my subscription or i'm gonna start yelling (laughs) (laughs) anyway netflix also reported in october 2019 so this was a couple months after the season had come out that over 64 million households had watched stranger things 3 within the first four weeks of its release that is madness it absolutely is. The chapter, Battle of Starcourt, won a Primetime Creative Arts Emmy for Outstanding Sound Editing for a Drama or Comedy Series. And after Season 3's release in 2019, Stranger Things, the show, won a People's Choice Award for Drama Show of the Year and Show of the Year. Still not an Emmy, but I'll take it. I know, right? Finally, let's get into our initial impressions and final thoughts. It is July 4th, mm-hmm. 2019. It is. But it's the morning. It is. Because if it was the night, 
you would be watching fireworks. True. So it's midday. Maybe you're eating a bagel. I don't know what you're doing. But season three of Stranger Things just premiered on Netflix. Woohoo! We are transported now. Here we are. So I just want to say that I feel like my obsession with Stranger Things began truly with season three. I just, I didn't feel what I feel for this show until after season three. I was bouncing off the walls <laughs> about this, this show after season three, which is so funny because it was the lowest rated season. I know, which makes no <laughs> sense. It doesn't I make can't. any sense. But like even Nick and I to this day, like when we talk about like which season of Stranger Things we love, we always talk about season three. Mm-hmm. It's a special season. I remember me and you trying to coordinate watching it together. I mm-hmm. don't think it worked. I think I put it on your Google calendar, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah, but I don't think it worked. Then we ended up together on July 4th, 2020, which was a year later. And I remember us watching the first episode of season three together at that time and thinking like, is this safe? Oh my God, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I'm pretty sure you and Eli were the first people who we had over to our apartment since COVID started in March. Yes. Yeah, yes. and we borrowed like my in-law's air purifier I was and stuck it in that. the living room. <laughs> I was going to mention the air purifier and I remember when we walked in, it turned red. <laughs> <laughs> get out get out dirty you bring the the germ <laughs> and we made a red white and blue trifle mm-hmm. and we took a really cute picture on my balcony we did we were both wearing white and we were smiling with our teeth like that <laughs> that nobody can see it's okay um so yeah season three was what started my obsession with stranger things because we had like a Halloween party and Nick and I were Robin and Steve that year, just like everybody else in the entire world. We bought the Scoops Ahoy costumes, mm-hmm. but you couldn't come because you weren't living nearby. Yes. We did up our whole apartment with the light wall and we bought, I bought letters off of Etsy and Nick was like, you're going to put tape on the wall and it's going to pull the paint off. And I was like, I absolutely am going to do that for this letter wall. <laughs> fond memories worth it we bought yeah we bought egos and we printed out missing posters of will and i went to home depot and i bought like do not enter and like caution signs to make one of our rooms look like the lab and like we put like a red light bulb so cool in one of yeah and i bought fake slugs so on cute. amazon and i stuck them in the bathroom and everyone who came to the party was a stranger things character except our one friend who dressed up like bob ross <laughs> <laughs> you don't belong here mm-hmm. i have to say i was so sad that year that i couldn't yeah, go yeah that was, was so brutal sad. i know you i belonged was there so sad and i need to add this has nothing to do with the show but i also had a halloween party on the same day and nobody came <laughs> no that's so terrible i'm sorry i think like two of the other people like two of my coworkers came and like that was it oh my god that's so sad i'm that's sorry <laughs> But yeah, obsession with Stranger Things, check. I will say I remember not liking the Russian plot at the time. Mm. I felt like it was out of place and like it made the scope of the show too large. Mm. But I do think my opinion of that changed when I began to understand the historical impact and why this was so relevant to the time period. My perspective changed and I also developed an appreciation for the like the vastness of this season in comparison to the previous two seasons this is like a big season it's cinematic it's large it's bright it's colorful and we're out of the u.s so i i season three is just it's a special it's a special season to me 
I agree. That yeah. was a really long-winded answer to a really short question. <laughs> but, but it was necessary, I think. Thanks. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> so in season two, like when season two ended, Eli theorized that they had been talking about the Soviets finding out and, you know, mm. we, we, don't, we wouldn't want this to fall into the hands of the Soviets. He theorized, like, that is going to happen. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to come to fruition. And he literally said something along the lines of, like, I bet we're going to get a scene of the Russians opening their own gate and we're wow. going fi- to find out that they knew all along about the Upside Down. And is literally, he an oracle? Right? Literally, I watched... The opening of season three, I watched it with my aunt because even though we were living far away at the time, we were home for the mm-hmm. summer and I was living with my aunt and me and her were like, all right, we're just going to watch episode one. And when the scene opened and they like, we saw them in the lab making the key and everything, they don't actually speak until like mm-hmm. a good like minute or so into yes. the scene. And I'm just like watching and watching and watching. And then someone opens their mouth and starts speaking yep. Russian. And I was like, oh, my God. Eli, you are a soothsayer. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I, I just texted him and I was like, we need to watch season three together like immediately. <laughs> immediately. immediately. <laughs> yeah. I, like I could not believe. He got it exactly right. Wow. So He's a genius. He really is. So I am so excited to rewatch the season. It's definitely my favorite also. It's um, summer. It is. It's summer. And I, I feel like we finally get a lot more like real world in this season. Like yes. our characters struggling with, you know, going through puberty and becoming teenagers and, yeah, you know, dealing with these teenager problems. And that friendships made, changing. Yes. Friendships changing. Like all normal things. That's that jobs. You know, right. That teenagers go through. But with the added layer of you know the the supernatural so right. to me it made the season feel so much more real like mm. seeing the you know because i feel like in season one and two we didn't have as much of the real world influence as like a threat or as sure. like a negative thing but in this season it made it made it feel a lot more real to me which also made it more scary i feel like yes because it was like oh my god this is like so like it puts you in that like you feel like you can see yourself in their shoes yeah, and, like, I even, again, I go back to Karen and Billy. Mm-hmm. Like, that very real temptation that Karen feels. And yeah. that she has to overcome that. Like, there's a, you're right. There's so many real world on earth issues. Yes. Beyond what they're dealing with from the supernatural perspective. Yeah. So, yeah. I love this season, too, though. It is. So good. Like you said, it's very, like, cinematic. Like, I remember watching it for the first time and seeing that final Battle of Starcourt scene and just being blown away absolutely blown away by the visual effects so i i'm like getting chills just thinking about watching it again i'm so excited (laughs) i know we have like a tiny little perhaps inkling of an idea for the Mm -hmm. battle of star court chapter we're not going to say anything yet because we don't want to make any false promises but we have like a tiny small idea yes that's all i'm gonna say we do so sit on that sit on that and just like (laughs) let it brew and fester like uh the wound gross not while you're sitting on it no. <laughs> so anyway, that wraps up our season three overview. <laughs> this was this was fun and, and was kind fun. of weird and all over the place. It was. Why why do we continue to do episodes where we are drinking adult beverages? Because this happens every time. <laughs> we just slowly descend into madness. Yes. <laughs> no, really, we're so happy to be back. It's been weird to not be recording for a couple of weeks, Mm -hmm. but we're ready to get into it. Season three is a magnificent masterpiece. 
It is. Boo, Rotten Tomatoes. Tomato, tomato, tomato. <laughs> tomato, tomato, tomato. Right back at the tomatoes. <laughs> Throw the tomatoes at the tomatoes. The tomato website. <laughs> <laughs> we hope that between episodes, you don't feel like the week is long. <laughs> and I hope that if you have a cat, <laughs> the silver cat will feed. <laughs> <laughs> when blue meets yellow in the West, we want to leave you with the fact that a trip to China sounds nice. It does sound nice. And that's all we got. That's all <laughs> we got, kids. Anyway. Okay. Well, everybody, thank you for listening. We and are here and we are back and it is we, fun. We are back. And next week we will be bringing you chapter one. Susie, do you copy? I'm ready. Me too. Okay. Well, till next week, everybody. Stay strange. Stay strange. To keep in touch and stay informed about upcoming StarCourt Study Hall episodes, follow us on Instagram at StarCourt Study Hall.